You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, and today we're going to be talking about the current employment market. Much has been written and shared, certainly in social media and in mainstream media, about some of the challenges that employers face and some of the mindsets that employees seem to be living with. My guest is Liz Kapance. Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Doug. Yeah, so Liz is a professional in this in the space of placement and recruiting. Tell us a little bit about your backstory, Liz. Kind of how you got into uh, everything you're doing right now. Yeah, so I stepped into. Thank you, Doug. I stepped into recruitment um, as a second career. Uh, worked for a firm prior to launching my own practice, and uh, coming from a sales marketing background, it was. Uh, something for me that I just never looked back. It was just something that very uh, naturally was uh, worked for me. So, yeah. Well, you know, uh, employers everywhere are definitely thinking uh, staffing and recruiting is top of mind. You know, despite some of the economic indicators we've got, overall, a lot of job markets are still very strong and competitive. And I know in probably the last month, there's been a big wave of tech announcements about layoffs and and reductions in staff. But um, what are some of the things you're hearing and seeing in, in your world? Yeah, it's such a mixed market right now, Doug. Um, overall, very hard to gauge. Uh, I just wrote a, a post about this uh, earlier this week uh, because when we look at the numbers and the data from October, unemployment did rise a little bit to 3.7% uh, percent number of jobs, um, as was predicted, was lower in terms of the number of jobs added. But then you have the other side of uh, the puzzle where employers are still uh, finding it hard to find talent in certain sectors. So it's really a very um, confusing market uh, right now. I haven't really seen this in, in many years, if ever. I know my own uh, larger corporate clients that I do work with, uh, probably without exception, they're all reporting uh-huh. vacancies in their approved headcount. So they've got budget for a staffing level that's X and, you know, they're dealing with X minus five, 10, 12, maybe a hundred, you know, they're, they're, they've, they've got, got openings. They're scrambling to try to fill and they just can't seem to find candidates willing and able to uh, fit in. Yeah. It's so confusing. I know. And then when you mentioned about the, uh, the tech, uh, layoffs. I read something recently. Amazon is getting ready to go through some layoffs themselves. So it's um, it's very inconsistent with what we're seeing uh, based on you know this this data. Well, yeah. In that ledger, uh, Facebook announced I think eleven thousand cuts. Twitter, of course, I I personally, I'm counting the whole Twitter phenomenon as an anomaly. I mean, whatever Musk is going to do there is, 
I don't think that's indicative of any particular trend in the economy one way or the other. I think that's Elon Musk. <laughs> yes, agreed. Uh, yeah. uh, Amazon's a different story. Facebook's certainly a different story. And a couple of the other fintech companies have announced some reductions. They haven't, to my knowledge, they haven't tagged headcount specific, but they've said we're going to be cutting operating expense well, to me, that's code for headcount reduction. Yes, yes, so absolutely. That's your biggest nut usually is um, is is the level of staffing. Well, if if people are in fact in the market as a candidate, what kinds of things are you advising them to look for? Yes, great question. So we work with a broad uh, range of industries as well as skill sets and functions. Um, what's really growing right now is organizations in sustainability, energy, uh, e-commerce, uh, construction is, is, is very solid. So those are some industries to keep an eye out for and to focus on. Uh, those are growing, um, as far as the jobs and the skills themselves, those, uh, I know many of the clients that we work with, some of those roles are being, um, um, developed now. So they're changing due to the virtual um, setup of employees. So jobs can get consolidated sometimes. So that's something that we work with with clients to help really clearly define those roles and what the skills are. Um, a big part of what we do, though, uh, from a job seekers perspective is to really help fo focus on the branding and how to brand themselves. Because when you're looking for a job, you are selling yourself. It's a sales process and never easy to sell yourself. So we do a lot of work on um, helping to brand yourself, helping to market yourself uh, throughout the job search. Um, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think that's a concept that is often a challenge. Um, part of my background and, and one of my early entries into coaching was in career transition, working with oh. people that... Um, had lost jobs and were now wanting to search. And I go back to the 2008 recession when the job employment was double. I mean, unemployment was double digits. So there were large uh, populations of people that just were caught up in somewhat arbitrary cuts. You know, the company said we're cutting 20% and here's the line and you're in the pool. So, yeah. um, uh, and, and I know that uh, the work I did back then, I, I too was helping people de decide on a personal brand, and that was very foreign to to most job seekers. The common mindset when people came to me, it was the first time in 5, 10, 15 years they had ever had to search for a job, so their first task in their mind was just to dust off my resume and update it. Yeah. And I was saying to them, no, we, we have to define a personal brand first. And I, I had my own six-step model, and writing the resume was down at step three. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, You're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also, I see that when uh, people are let go and coming from corporate, it's a mind, mindset shift. Because when they lose that identity of that company, and then all of a sudden they have to hustle and put themselves out there, they it's a transition that's not easy to make. 
for a lot right. of people because they've had the um you know the recognition of the the company the employer you know for so many years and then when that goes away and if they haven't interviewed in you know 10 10 20 years it it can be really hard to uh shift and start hustling and like a mad person like I am sometimes but really selling yourself and and that's part of the branding as as you know branding yourself and putting yourself out there but it's it's a um it's a it's a harder transition uh coming from a you know, corporate, corporate job after many years, as you know. Yeah. So still speaking about the, the candidate mindset and candidate view of things, have you seen a shift in prospects mindsets about the kinds of things they're asking for in the jobs they're looking to fill? In the, um, sorry, in the, in the job from, from the candidate, the, the candidate's perspective. Do you, do you think they've changed their criteria for where they really want to work? Yeah, yes, definitely. The pandemic has contributed uh, to that mindset. We've also got a lot of the Gen Z younger uh, workers coming into the workforce, a lot of baby boomers that may have retired uh, during the pandemic, taken a package. So we've had this ma mass exodus of workers now we've got the younger workers coming in and their whole mindset and approach is is very different than historically uh the older generation right so they're uh, looking at this as really wanting that um work-life balance number one they want the um the give back or the uh, mission of the the company so it's not just a job it's 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 going to fit into their lifestyle it's it's really an interesting i've done a ton of research on this demographic in the workplace and really what they're looking for is very it's very different so well well that's what i'm wondering and and I, I'm, I'm going to be it's probably going to sound really blunt and crude uh, to that audience but uh do they even really know what work-life balance is i mean can they really define it or is it just a convenient uh buzzword they heard from their friends and they're going after it that way yes that's a great point i've seen um many different variations of what somebody might think work-life balance and um some to your point really don't know what that is um so there's there's many different perspectives i think for for this younger younger group yeah it's um yeah interesting interesting times for them and as we shift in the workplace and flipping over to the employer side of the equation are you seeing any shifts in the way people are trying to do their recruiting and hiring process so that's a, that's a great question. That's a loaded question, Doug. I could go on for a long time. It's like, okay, where do I begin? But um, it's uh, it needs change, I would say. Um, yes, it needs significant change. There's so much technology. There's AI, so many tools around uh, the automation, which is needed, but it tends to take away uh, from really that people and human aspect of who we're hiring and really managing people first. That's really at the core of, of you know, how I work. And you might have a, a perfect resume on paper, but maybe that person really isn't a fit for the company or um, for whatever reason. So 
I, I think that the whole process is starting to change. Uh, we're seeing more of a, a level field in terms of the less hierarchy. People need less management because they've worked autonomously. Uh, so they're more productive for the most part. So uh, less management structure uh, that has evolved over the past couple of years. And I think the one of the projects I'm working on right now I can share with you is a basically a recruitment etiquette and protocol uh, to how to you know, um, manage each stage of the recruiting process with your candidates and really treat them as your client and uh, something that we don't see every day, unfortunately. I interviewed a, a young man from uh, Canada a, a few weeks ago on my show, and, and he runs a, a recruiting and placement agency. But one of the things they have latched onto, and he professes that they've gotten great traction with it is they're working with hiring companies and having them stand up their interviewing manager, their hiring managers on, on video presentations to share with the candidate. And the, it, it, it all came from the old adage that people join companies, but quit bosses. Yep. So he said, well, let's flip that equation around. Let's present the boss and uh -huh. frame and shape the boss and, and let the candidate in early in the process make the decision of whether or not that's a person they want to work for. Wow. I love so that. They have yeah. um, sort of really cut through a lot of the uh, friction that is normally in the traditional process. And, you know, he said, yes, we, we coach hiring managers a little bit on how to better present their story, but we really get them to focus on the core elements of what it is they're really offering and what it would be like to work in their department. Oh, and, I love that. Um, he said it has, has really, it's, I forget his exact number, but what I'm recalling is it's more than doubled the success rate on the matches. Wow. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> because um, people are getting to see the boss in, in his native, his or her native state and talking the way they talk and communicating the way they communicate. And if you don't have a chemistry for that, you're not a good candidate for that job. Right. Interesting. That's a, I think that's a great, um, that's a great step. It's a great structure. And I think we're going to see more different um, processes come out in the next couple of years uh, because it has changed. The whole workplace is, is in flux. And I think there's going to be more variations out there. Uh, the, I think the one, um, the one issue with talent and recruitment, Doug, is that it's, it's not regulated. And so uh, as a result of that, it can be the Wild West sometimes because companies either yeah. aren't prepared, don't know their budget, don't know what to ask in the interview. And they're kind of maybe thrown into a situation where they really don't know or not, are not prepared. So, uh, you know, without having that uniformity and or regulation, it, it tends to be and can be somewhat of a very dysfunctional process, unfortunately. So I love hearing some new ideas like this that are coming on the market. And I think we're going to see more of that. 
Well, to your point, I, I agree totally. And it's definitely been my experience. And, and one of the dilemmas, and I talk about this a lot of my, in my own leadership development program work, we tend to promote people off of the front line. We need a supervisor. So we go look at who the best performer is and we put them into the supervisory role. And then if they work around that and have some success, guess what? We promote them up to manager. And, and then next thing you know, they're director, VP or whatever. And these skills like conducting a proper, effective interview are never taught. Right. And, and yeah. you might have had it modeled to you and you might think about a few questions. But again, going back to my um, the early days when I was coaching and doing career transition work, what I used to tell people is if your interviewer starts the whole session with the question, tell me something about yourself, you are now in control. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that loaded question we, we all get, it's, yeah. Because I, I believe that is a red flag sitting across the desk in the hiring manager's seat telling you, I don't have a clue what I'm getting ready to do here. I've got some yeah. ideas and some questions, but let's start with tell me something about yourself. And, and I, I think, I, number one, I think it's a horrible question as a hiring manager. There are other ways to get to the meat of what you're yeah. really wanting to know. Yes, it, it is. It's an icebreaker question that is just used everywhere, but it is um, you, you get responses and, and uh, even I will actually use it in my uh, my approach, getting to know candidates and I'm vetting and I'll sometimes get these um, these responses. Well, back in seventh grade and then I went to high school and I'm like, you know, I don't want to you know, you don't want the oh, life story. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but yeah, you get like this whole. Um, so. It's, it's, yeah, it is, uh, it's not a great question, but it's, it's a typical icebreaker just to kind of make that person feel at ease and, and comfortable, but it's, yeah, I agree. It's like, wait, okay, where do we start? What's your, yeah. what's your yeah. pitch? I know, I know. Well, Liz, I'll so, tell you what, it's time that we take a short commercial break here in the show. We're going to uh, drop a message in. And uh, when we come back, I've got some more questions about the current environment and what we're looking okay. ahead for the new year. So hang with us, folks. We'll be right back. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness, too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. All right, everyone, we're back. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Uh, Doug Thorpe here talking with Liz Capance. Liz is in the placement game. And um, Liz, I, I probably dove too quick into some of the pressing questions I had. Uh, talk to us about your process. I, I know you've evolved and you've stayed up with the market and you've tried to create some things, but walk us through your process for working with candidates. Yeah, sure. Uh, so over the years, I've evolved uh, from when we first started. Uh, and about eight years ago, um, my EBC business is my core search, headhunting. We look for anything from 
you know, chief development officer, VP of marketing, mid to senior level. And then um, how the network grew was when I came across really great candidates that weren't aligned with my immediate jobs, uh, I would help to connect and broker introductions uh, to companies that were aligned with their background for informational interviews, uh, which are, are are super, super helpful. Um, I teach referral networking. Uh, if you've been with a company for many years and maybe don't have time to network, networking takes a lot of time. And so through the Erudites community, and um, it's also for business owners too, uh, with that same uh, skill of connecting the, um, you know, the network and the, and the EBC search business work together. So it's a, um, it's sort of a hybrid model uh, where we are today. And then when COVID hit, it, it accelerated uh, the need to connect and, and uh, keep the door open. Uh, network is, is networking is always important. So, yeah. So, so just to be clear, you've got your recruiting and placement business. That's the EBC Associates. Yep. That's your brand Correct. there. And then you've created this networking group. And, and what is it called again? It's called Erudites Networking. Okay. Yep. Yep. And we're global. Uh, so we have uh, members all over the world. And you know, we meet to share, share connections, share referrals. We also give back to the community. We support some nonprofits. Uh, but it's just really uh, grown very much through uh, that whole approach of finding a job, finding a business opportunity, uh, and really taking a holistic approach to to that that effort. So, so is that a, a kind of a social tribe thing, or is it a membership platform? Yep, it's a membership uh, membership platform, uh, vet, vetted community. Um, many of the people in the business network I've known for many years, and so just sort of pulled them pulled them together other business owners, solopreneurs, et cetera. Uh, nice. So when you, yeah. Well, good. Well, so, so back to the um, candidate side of things, it, what, what do you try to bake into your process of getting someone prepared to go to market? Yes, I would say number one thing is focus and know exactly what your value add and your skill is to the employer. Um, oftentimes, even if it's point blank on paper, uh, the employer doesn't connect the dots with how you might fit into this role or to this organization. So it's really important to be crystal clear on what you what you want and what you're focusing on and being able to to articulate that first and foremost. You know, I'm I'm reminded again. I referred to my days of helping in career transition, and one of the things I actually was an advocate of when we did get ready to write resumes and prepare profile things, I actually encouraged people to change their job titles on, on their oh. history and and to change them not to fabricate or falsify anything but to make it more communication friendly hmm. and and my argument was and i told this story many times back in the day when i was a manager and and wanting to hire people i'd go to hr and say hey i need to create this job here's the thing that da, 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 and the HR would say, what do you want to call it? And you know what my answer was? I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
that's yeah. You tell me what we yeah. need to call it, and they would come up with some name. And God love the candidate that took that job. They were now forevermore stuck with that title on their resume the rest of their life. And I, as the guy that was running the business, didn't care what we called it. And <clears throat> so I, I encourage people because sometimes companies get really crazy yeah. about what they label a job. Yeah. And, and it means nothing in the open market. Yep. So yeah. I, I, used to tell my candidates to get a little more liberty about the way they present that. And I would have the, the legalists that would come back to me and say, oh, but I'm falsifying my record. What if, what if my new guy calls my old guy and, and they call me out on it? And I'll say, no, just explain to them you were trying to be more conversant about it. And, you know, yeah. yes, my legal title back then was X, Y, Z, but what it meant was A, B, and C. Yes. Yeah. I love that because titles, even as simple as, say, an account director title, yeah. can vary very drastically in in many companies. And I've I've seen that numerous times. You would think it would mean the same thing if it's in the same industry, at least. Let's say it's account director in... In, in advertising agencies, right? You would think it would be the same. It doesn't always mean no, the same. No. And so, yeah, that's a and great even exercise. In the, even in the technical realms, I mean, I've run into, you know, IT people, network engineers. That doesn't always mean the same thing everywhere, yep. you know. Um, production maintenance director, you know, that doesn't yeah. always mean the same thing. And yeah, uh, it, it's just, it's, it's all over the yeah. board. So, I always used to encourage candidates to try to line up those titles with, you know, what was more pertinent in the direction they were trying to go. Mm, I love that. Yeah, that's a great and that's a great exercise. And and of course, focus on the skills behind that and the outcomes that goes into that whole job description. But um, being as laser focused from the candidates, uh, sometimes candidates will, will say to me, well, I'll do anything or I'm 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 open. Well, open, open to what? You you can't be open because it's 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 no one's going to be able to figure that out. You have to know intuitively, you know what you want to target at this at this stage, right? And and what that is. So, and, and I'll say somebody in the audience is probably saying, yeah, but what happened when they got caught? Well, all I can tell you is my organization ran through about forty five hundred candidates. And we had zero get called out on that issue. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. And we had yeah. a pretty high success rate in placement. So yeah. Um, yeah. never became an issue. So yeah. interesting thing. It's, yeah, it is. What, a what are you seeing? What, one big compelling question that's on the minds of a lot of the business owners and managers I, I work with is where are we going with remote work? Mm. Do you think yeah. it's here to stay or do you think there's variations or what, what are yeah. we returning to an in-office normal or what do you see going on in your world? I think we're, we're still trying to figure it out. And I think my two cents for what it's worth, Doug, is that the virtual hybrid model will always be here. 
And uh, it's, but, but I also see, you know, what's interesting, and I was having this conversation the other day, is that while you, you keep hearing and reading about people that want the flexibility or they want, uh, you know, virtual, all virtual or part virtual, there's also a certain number of people that um, hate working from home. It's just, we never hear about them. And, and they just, not because they have kids or dogs or they just, for them, it just has never worked and they need to get out of there. They need to separate, you know, their home from their work. And so many of those are happy to be back, you know, into the office. And you just, we just don't read about, about them, but they're out there. And, um, but I think, I think virtual uh, work will be here uh, permanently. I think companies are many still trying to figure it out. And, um, you know, I've seen different, many different scenarios and, and, uh, but I think, I think it, it will be here to stay. So. Yeah, I <clears throat> certainly entertain those questions with my own clients. And I'd have to say at this point in, in my book of business, if you, if you drew a scale of one end of the scale said a hundred percent, we want you back in the office, no remote work allowed. The other end of the scale was pretty wide open, you know, fine, stay at home, we're good. I think I've got companies at every dot along that scale on what they're yeah. doing and what they're trying to uh, enforce. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, and, it's not know, easy. Yeah. The one thing I think that is emerging, some reports that I've heard of late, is that some of the younger workers talking back to your demographic you mentioned earlier, they're recognizing that they're losing opportunity by being remote. They don't get to yeah. demonstrate what they really know, or they don't get to have visibility with senior yeah. leaders in the company. Yeah. So they are, they are aware of missing out. Agreed. And, and especially for that early stage, uh, I think it's really critical for them to have that in-person uh, time learning, uh, getting mentorship. Uh, I think it's really important for them to have more of that than somebody who's mid to, to more senior level uh, in their career for right. those reasons. Yes, I think they can, they'll just learn tremendously and just the meetings and, and such, um, you know, I have, I've had a ton of in-person meetings lately, Doug, and it's, it's so much more beneficial when you get that FaceTime and especially starting a new job, a new career, you, uh, you gain so much. Yeah. Well, I had a colleague recently that we were in a meeting and we were talking about all that. And he said, face it, we're tribal animals. You know, we, we need yep. to be in our tribes. And yep. whether that's, you know, at home or at work, at, and, and those are two different tribes. And you can't yep. do one in the middle of the other. Yeah. So, um, yeah. His argument was we, the, the pendulum will swing and we will see a return more to in-person office present or facility present employment. And, and, you know, clearly there are some jobs that, you know, technical writers, analysts and others can, you know, they can do a lot of their work remotely as long as they've got the right computer hookup. But, um, I think from an organizational standpoint, we may well see the pendulum swing back to what we knew as normal before the pandemic. 
Mm. With, yeah, with, with, you, with some variation of opportunity yeah. to stay remote. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know. It is. Uh, bottom line, I'm with you. It's a wild card. I think we're all still struggling to figure it out, find mm-hmm. the best answer for it. So, yeah, more to come on yeah. that subject. <laughs> I know. Interesting to see, but it's it, it's it's also interesting just how we never hear about these certain people that uh, can't work well from home. You just they don't get much. Um, you just don't read much about. It, at least I don't. But I I speak to these people, so they you know, they really enjoy and they have to be in an office to, to work and, and they're out there. <laughs> well, I, so. I have a good friend that uh, is in sales and when the, you know, 60 days into the lockdown, he was climbing the walls because he was a type A plus extrovert yeah. and there was no audience at home. And he was, yeah. he was emotionally dying because he could not entertain his normal audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's and, yeah, uh, it's uh, he, he truly was. Uh, I literally talked to him about getting some mental health help on it because it was it was really impacting him in a very unhealthy way. Oh, sorry, yeah, but it's it's yeah, this whole thing has never not been easy for so so many reasons, and and yeah, that that being one of them, it's yeah, isolating, and if you live alone or if you, you know. Well, yeah. and it's not funny, but on the other side of that spectrum, I, I ran into clients who were more in, introverted analysts and engineers and such, and they were loving it. And, and, and I actually had one person say, I don't have to deal with the clowns at work. <laughs> but, yeah, well, exactly. I know that's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, oh. it works differently for Cuts both people ways. that for that way. And, and then, and then some people like on the flip side, they, they're so much more productive from home and they don't have the drama that maybe they had in the office as much. So yeah, yeah it's just yeah. stuff. Well, Liz, I really appreciate you sitting in and uh, uh, sharing with us. Uh, tell folks the best way to get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about your work. Yeah. So on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. My, my website um, is a great way to contact. We have a contact form. It's ebcassociates.net. Uh, you can reach me there. Uh, so yeah, either one of those ways would be great. And I appreciate the time, Doug. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Well, folks, we'll have those links and information in the show notes. So feel free to hop down and and check that out. If you do want to get in touch with Liz and I do want to remind everybody, there is a video version of this over on YouTube and, uh, it is on uh, a channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Feel free to join in over there, subscribe, and uh, you'll get notices. We are dropping three shows a week, so we've got a lot of content coming at you. I would welcome your feedback and your input for other topics and ideas that you're interested in. So leave us a note, leave us a like, a share, whatever. And for now, we're going to sign off, say goodbye, and have a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.